It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jay Crawford. Adam the Bull. Garrett Bush. And so many big names... It would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show. Booyah. Oh, good. Hey, oh, do not adjust your sets. G. Bush is out today. Honey, I'm mean, G. Bush. Yeah, that's right. White. McNuggets is in G. Bush's place. G. Bush woke up with a stiff neck. Stiff he does neck, that. stiff arms. He's he been, couldn't move. He's had the, he had like the crap beat out of him by Western Michigan linebackers for so long and stuff <laughs> that eventually that wears you down. By the it's way, taking its toll now. Yeah. By the way, could 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 Mike and G. Bush look any different? No. Like could no. that be? Is there a more stark difference? Than you remember the movie? Two? Was it Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. and yes. Danny DeVito? Yep. Yes. yes. We should make our own spoof film with you and G. Bush That's right. called Cleveland Twins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I you guys just go around the city and you just see the joke I, was that they were not similar at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you've it. never yeah, seen yeah. the movie? Well, I know Danny DeVito and I know Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not twins. They don't look yeah, alike. Yeah. Picture them, not at all. Yeah. They're supposedly yeah. making a sequel all these years later. I hope so. I love the chemistry between those oh, guys awesome. in that movie. It was great. By the way, guys. <clears throat> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Are you getting off Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh, boy. Here we go. Got something to show Oh, it's the Baker oh, Mayfield no. jersey. Here it is! Let's go! Wow. Baker Mayfield! Wow. It won't fit me, so I, that's why I didn't put it on. That you, is, know, you know, it's a knockoff. That is not the Carolina Panthers blue. That's true. That yeah. is not Carolina Panthers. That is turquoise. You got hey, that's true. I didn't say I was going to buy a real one. You got that from the same this place. Was the I got my off-the-leash shirt. Remember my off-the-leash shirt? Same knockoff. That was slightly off-center. Yes. Yes. By the way, still got the tag on. Is it As misspelled? What? Is Mayfield misspelled? Uh, no, it's spelled Look correctly. Okay. It's crazy how, the, like, the detail that they go to. They even knock off the official NFL tag. Yes. By like, the way, I mean, it looks yep. like it's an. If other than the color being yeah. off, <laughs> I had a, my buddy's friend used to make knockoff stuff in Youngstown. My my buddy's dad. Uh-huh. He made the opposite of the Nike swoosh. He called or the uh, the swish. He, no, swoosh. swoosh. He called yeah. it the swish. Oh, nice. He's All like right, mine's yeah. the swish. It goes the other way. <laughs> That's like the, McDo- <laughs> the McDaniel's from uh, coming to Same America. Same thing. Let me see this. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this to away away on Twitter to a fan. This is a rare collector's item now. This is like it really is. This is like yeah. a Dwayne Wade Cavs jersey. Throwback. I hurt you my know? shoulder. Well, I think that would fit you. It, well, I tried. Come to, on. I mean, it. I put it on this morning, <laughs> and it was like a lot of my clothes are tight. Yeah. But that was like, it was like it was sprayed on me. I mean, wouldn't that be like a gag sh- even better though? I hurt my shoulder putting it on. <laughs> seems like, like seems like a two. I'm not putting it on again. Seems like a two man North Face. Yeah. He hurt his shoulder putting hurting, it on. Hurt okay. my shoulder putting it on. Wait, if Mike it looks good on you. If Mike, you started getting Bill Farr's every it. day, by the way, yeah, Mike Polk would fill that out. I could out. fill this out with you Bill Farr. Do you want to keep it, or should I give it away to one of the fans? No, I don't want to keep this. Give it to a fan, please. They deserve it. A fan deserves that. There are fans here that will wear oh, it. Oh, I will give it. I'm going to go on Twitter and oh, I'm going to come up with a, uh, a contest to give it away. It's still got that wash quarterback smell. smell. <laughs> it's got that China odd. cigarette smoke so, industry true smell. True to my word, I, I did buy it. 
I can't wear it because it don't fit me. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? Like just like hold it up over your pants? I, I your <coughs> hold it here. Right. I don't know. I, I don't know on the original bet that I said I was gonna wear it. I just said I was gonna buy it. I sure thought you said you're gonna wear yeah, it. I did. We pegged him. Can we go back and look at this. I think keep pounding, guys. We need keep somebody. Pounding. Oh, there's the garbage can suggestion. Keep Thank you. Pounding. Good call. <laughs> good, we'll see. That's so it'll just hang out with me. I'll just put it on the table. All right, very yep. good. Uh, yeah, busy yeah. show today. It's uh, it's it's girls' day. It's ladies' ladies' day night. Looks like it. Oh, Mary Kay, oh, Aditi, and Serena Winters, who's the Cavs reporter. Nice. All three will join us to talk about NFL, the Browns, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, which is where we should start because disappointing loss last night for this yeah. Cavalier team. I don't know if they're getting bored already. I don't know what the deal was, but they um, they dug a huge hole at San Antonio, a team that was in an 11-game losing streak mm-hmm. trying to before tank, by they the way. flipped yeah. around a three. They well, won the players their last three. Are not trying to tank. They won yeah. their last and three. And Pops will never try and tank. No, it, Pop doesn't I, know how to lose people, on purpose. When people say, and I've said this before, like when the Browns went 1-6, 0-15, oh, 1-15, 0-16, oh, I said the Browns were tanking, which they were. But we got to remember that when we say a team is tanking, the players are not tanking. No. The, the coaches are sure. not tanking. Yeah. The organization has decided winning is not important. In fact, we don't care if we win or not. They give the chef bad ingredients and tell them. That's right. This Do is what the you meal can. you're going to But make. if you saw you Popovich on the sideline. cheese. Yeah. Make, make, cheese. Make, make, mm-hmm. make your dinner. Right. But if you saw Popovich on the sideline last night. Oh, he was night, very much into he, it. He wasn't looking to lose yeah, that especially game. Especially at the end. Down yeah. the stretch. When the lead was getting away. God, I love that guy. He's so it was awful because they they gave up. This is becoming a characteristic of the team. I talked about the Friday after Thanksgiving. They let Milwaukee go on a twenty-five to two run. Yeah. The loss on Friday night. They they let a terrible run go last yeah. night. Nineteen zero. Going into the half, they they were outscored twenty-eight to twelve. I don't know what it is, but for long stretches of games. They just be, they, they seem disinterested. They take bad shots. Yeah, it's like the basket has a lid on it. They give up all kinds of bad rebounds. It's like lack of hustle. And this and that one happened was the last worst. night. This one was the worst because this team is the worst. This was the first Don- sub 500 team they right. lost to. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Donovan Mitchell said after the game that they took them lightly. Yeah, it, the quote was we yeah. played their record, not the team. I, I like hearing it from him. Yeah, I, I did too. Yeah, I like you got to call these guys it. out because that's exactly what they did. And they I did. got the sense that they, they just felt like, you know what, this is a bad team. We're going to save our energy for the end. We'll be okay. And in the end, they were not. Now, they did cut the 19-point lead down to a point. Then after being perfect at the free throw line all night, missed. they missed a critical free throw that would have tied the game. So, Mitchell gets a shot blocked with like six or seven seconds to go, and I think Garland missed Garland three. Garland missed the three. Yeah. So they lose now to the Spurs. Uh, it's their first loss to a sub-500 team all season. So I think this is the worst loss of the year, in my in my opinion. What's your take on where they are? You're going to have losses like this. It's on the road. I get all that. But it just sucked when you lose to a team that you're way better than. Yeah, I mean, this is more of a microcosm of some of their issues all season than last night in particular. You mentioned the runs they seem to give up. I don't think it's them necessarily being disinterested. I think it's them being complacent and playing down to competition. That's a young team. I mean, you look across the board. Mobley's young. Allen's young. Mitchell is 25 years old. Right. He's still we forget a young that guy. sometimes. Yeah. He's been in the league for so long, but he's still young. Garland's young. And these guys still are learning to <coughs> play within each other's abilities and strengths. So they go through stretches where it's like, hey, guys, let's, let's try this. We have breaking Guardians news. Oh, please. Uh, it's, I, I signed a catcher. They signed the catcher, Mike Zanino. I literally just tweeted about him yesterday. Just talking about him. Yeah. And it's just breaking Who now. Who is that? So, He's Mike Zanino is a guy. He's Wasn't the missing link. He'll work. Uh, He'll Mike work. Zanino is uh, – he, 
He's got tremendous power for a catcher. He does. His last full last year he missed like three quarters of the season. He got hurt. In 2021, his last full season, I think he hit like 35 home runs. Okay. So there's big time power. Now with machine, he he strikes out an absurd amount. It's he's he, all or nothing. He's not going to hit what for was average. The deal? Did you see? Uh, there's no here. Uh, Ken Rosenthal doesn't have. I can't imagine it's too much money. It's so funny because I if you see go back if you find my tweet, Mike. Uh, it's it's Anthony, in there, Anthony. I put it in there. I just tweeted yesterday that I think at this point Zanino made a lot of sense because I think what they're going to do is. You're going to have Bo Naylor and Zanino yeah. share the catching duties. Platoon. You have a veteran. That's what I tweeted yesterday. Zanino on a one-year deal can make a lot of sense for the Guardians. Won't hit for average, but it's tremendous What is power his career percent. average? It's low 200s. Oh, it's, he's, he's, you know, it's bad. <laughs> so I don't know still, what it is. It's going to be pretty. It's, it's pretty, still better than Hedges. Uh, yeah, but he's as bad. Like, he's a... He's, he's not an upgrade for, from Hedges, but it's not a dramatic upgrade It's from not, Hedges. but he is a legitimate power source. He is. He can his hit last runs. three full seasons... I believe he's hit roughly 80, 85 home runs right. in his last three yeah. full seasons. The problem is that's almost 30 a year for a catcher. That's an abs- like huge. how many catchers hit an average of 25 or more home runs? Anymore, There's not many. None. But it's so, like yeah. very few. Salvador Perez, career, yeah. you know, maybe Contreras, but in, not, in not a lot of guys. Perez, like Perez isn't hitting 30 home runs a year now. Well, he, it was two years ago. He still did. Well, but, I know. But, but yeah, but like there's only like five guys maybe. Yeah. That, could, that could hit 30-plus home runs as a catcher. You don't sound excited about this. Overall, I mean, though. it's not exciting. He's it's not, an upgrade. But it, it is, is an upgrade. Okay. And there's, that's what you're looking to there's do. There's no doubt. It was an area of weakness, yes. and now they're stronger in that position. I guess yeah. I'm not excited because I thought if they got Sean Murphy, that was a massive upgrade. Mm-hmm. Right? Now I was disappointed, to... by the way, they did not get Murphy. I know right. we're going to talk about that later. But, yeah. I mean, who has more prospects to give up than us? No. And, and when you consider what the A's got for him, yeah. it was a three-way with Milwaukee. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a haul. I looked at it, and I'm like, we could have beat that off for a million So what do you times. think happened there then? I, I think the Guardians made the decision that they don't want to part ways with that many prospects mm-hmm. and that they're yeah. going to be okay. It told me they like they yeah. like Bo Naylor and more the, than I thought they did. And the A's must like these prospects more than the general MLB consensus does. There's a lot of people around the league think this trade was a terrible trade by Oakland. Well, I think what Oakland's doing is it's I call these shotgun trades. It's like scatter like it's like yeah. buckshot. Let me get you, seven You're right, getting one so many out. pieces. Yeah. Right. If one yeah. or two work out, it's a deal. It's, yeah, they got four they got a veteran catcher just to have and then they got four. But young none players, of them none so. of them overwhelmed me. I no, I, not, I thought that Cleveland could have put together a much better package with better prospects, probably fewer yeah. players, but better prospects that would have enticed the A's to to make the deal. Yeah I, I I'm stunned that they did. So that's why it's a little disappointing. But, you know, I just said last night, right. hey, I think it makes sense. Based on what was left out there, Zanino's as good an all-around player. Again, batting average How is old is Zanino, terrible. though? Uh, he's, he's probably 30. Late, late 20s, yeah, early late 30s. 20s, early 30s. I think he's about 30. I'll Alexa, look up, how old is Zanino? <laughs> we need to get one of those in I here. We do. We really do. But, you know, the only thing about him striking out is the Guardians don't – like. The Guardians will have a lot of guys that strike out. No, that's true. So it's not really that big a deal. Uh, I, I, you know, he's a solid defensive catcher, so it's not like uh, he's probably not quite as good as Austin Hedges. Although Hedges can't throw anybody out. He was doing well in the regular season. The playoffs, he was awful. Now Zanino, if you look at it, you look what he did last year. He got hurt. Yeah, don't throw he, last year. He out. didn't play well. He, like he played like right. thirty games or something before he got hurt. He is, and he uh, may have been playing while he was hurt. For all we he know, was, he's. He's 31. Okay. He'll turn 32 right before the season. That's good that's baseball age. Yeah, that's about where I thought But for was. I'm sure it'd be a one-year deal or two at the most. Right. You the know, one. it's probably – you're probably talking $6, 7000000 million. So, yeah. 
is my guess. The one thing I can't understand, and you guys please enlighten me, and Jason's yeah. mentioned this on the show before, is yeah. the Guardians have such a plethora of prospects. At some point, they're going to have to put three or four of these guys together for a guy yeah. like Sean and they Murphy. Still might. Like so, and, and they still might. Yeah. And at some point, you look at the positions of need. We've mentioned first base. We've mentioned yeah. catcher. They've made two moves at those positions now. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We'll see what happens as the season progresses with some of these young guys, but where's the position you're going to upgrade? I guess maybe corner outfield still, but I like Quan. No, they're I like the outfield. Yeah, I think they're all so what's next? So, so what position I is still there think to you still need a pitcher, upgrade. and I still think you need another bat. Yeah, I, By the way, one year, $6 million. Yeah, so right where you would expect it to be. Yeah, I mean, that's he's, he's again, there's going to be a bunch of games where he goes 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, and everybody's going to be like, he's the same as Hedges. He's the same. And he, honestly, he could end up being not much better than Hedges. Well, he can't be you heard he, it he, here, He folks. literally can't be worse than Hedges. But he can't it. be worse. Yeah, he literally he has, can't be worse. Like, Sorry, Anthony. He does have legitimate power. I mean, he does. All right, we'll come back to that. So, um, because uh, thanks for the update, Bull. Uh, it is an upgrade. 46 homers in his career. It is an upgrade for sure at that yeah. position. Um, but it, I, it tells me more than anything that they're ready to go with Bo Naylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Naylor's they brought him play. up late last year. I don't yeah. think he had a, a, a single hit. Not a single no. bet. He, right. he played no, he, he, some, he some did, games in I was, We were at the game where he batted, actually, but I, he didn't get on base. He didn't play so. much. Yeah, he did I mean, hit the ball hard a couple times, but yeah. as, as my memory serves, he did not get a base hit. Um, but they must have seen enough out of him to say, you know what, yeah. he's on he, track. He's yeah. serviceable. We can platoon him, bring in a veteran to help yeah. him along, and we'll see what happens. Right back to back to our Cavs. Um, level of concern here. There's still 17 and 11 in the three seed. I know it's still yeah. we're, we're not even at the quarter yeah. pole of the season. Couldn't be less concerned. I, I actually, I mean, the game it was it was ugly. It was disappointing last night. It was one of those games where they couldn't get it going in the first half. I don't know what their trouble is on the road. I think they're kids. I think they're young. They're uh, eight and or one and eight, and they're nine at last. At, uh, games on the road. Is that what they are? Bad. They're 12-2 yeah. and and at home and 5-9 and and on the road. They're, and they're really solid wow. at home. They're very comfortable there. And that's I think that's just the sign of like a young team. They're comfortable in their own place. I didn't that's realize too bad. it was that bad on the yeah. road. It's real bad. But and then but then I, here's what I like to see. And it's, you know, they were off. They didn't have that one. Uh, Lebert was good yes, the last night. He did play well. And usually they have somebody step up like that. But Chetty's been off. It, it, they're so dependent. He's so hot and cold. They need somebody else consistent off the bench. The bench scoring was down compared to the Spurs yesterday. But I did, I, like I said, I love the accountability out of, uh, out of um, Mitchell. And I love that he took that game over in the fourth quarter at the end. And he didn't even, like, you'd, you'd see some hesitation still on Garland sometimes when he had to take the game over in the fourth quarter, you know. And even last year he improved on that a lot. But there was just absolutely no choice, uh, no, no, no uh, doubt in my mind that Donovan was going to take that game over. And he was going to take that last shot. And he seemed totally confident with it. And it almost paid off. They got three good looks at the basket yeah, at the did. very end. That's yeah. all you can ask for. Sure. Refs let them play. There was a little bit of contact, but I like that. I like that they didn't call anything in the last minute there. Right. But I, and I love what he said after the game. He, he didn't say, 
when somebody said to him, do you think you uh, took this do you think you took this team too lately? He wasn't like, no, I don't think that was it. We come in, work hard. He's like, yeah, I think we did. Yeah. And that's what they, I think that's eventually going to pay off. I like that too. We played the record, not the team. Yes. And you can't do that. If you do that in the, in the NBA, you're going to get smacked. Let's bring in Serena Winters. She joins us now. Serena, Mike Polk just made a great point about the Cavs being, you know, this sort of Jekyll and Hyde, great at home, and particularly recently really struggling and looking much different on the road. What have you noticed? Do you see that there's one thing in particular between their home and road performances so far? I just think it's how they've come out at home versus the road, right? I mean, I think that we see an energy with the crowd and with being at home that they love, and you can feel it as soon as that that opening tip happens. And I think we haven't felt that on the road. And I just feel like it's kind of as simple as that. How do you combat that, Serena? And do you think that's something that they're aware of? Like, have they talked to you about that? Do you, you know, is, is Bickerstaff aware of that? And how do you how do you flip that artificial switch on the road? Have they considered traveling with Moondog? <laughs> I think traveling with Moondog is probably the number one consideration mm-hmm. right now. I mean, look, told me the other day, he said, I wish that we could take these fans and take this energy and bottle it up and we'd have it on the road. So they're obviously aware of it, guys. I mean, to be honest, we ask about it constantly, right? We're always talking about home versus the road because that's been a huge storyline for this team. So are they talking about it? Are they aware of it? Yes. If you listen to all the postgame interviews I did last night, that's one of the first things that comes up is that they've got to figure out how to be the same team on the road that they are at home. So is it something they are aware of? Yes. Is it something that they talk about? Yes. But as Donovan Mitchell said last night in his postgame, they can say all the right things and talk about it as much as, as they want, but it's just a matter of going out and doing it. And so that's, I think, what we're kind of waiting to see. Guys, it's, it's disappointing. Like, I, I agree that I liked that Mitchell admitted they kind of took them lightly. I liked it. I think it shows leadership on his part. But it's also disappointing that a Cavs team that we love and has all these great young players – is taking anybody lightly when they've accomplished nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they I, – I know they made the play-in last year, but they didn't win there. They didn't really get to the playoffs. So, I find that disappointing. Am I being unfair, Serena? What do you think? Well, I think <coughs> that what we're not thinking about is this is not some new thing. This isn't something that's just happening with the Cavs in the NBA. I mean, this happens with good teams all the time, every single season. It's just a, just a matter of – this happened last night, True. so it's on everybody's minds. I mean, you look at the Warriors, this was happening too, right? I mean, I, I understand that your point of, of what have they accomplished yet. Right. And to be honest with you, that point that you're making sounds like J.B. Bickerstaff because J.B. is the first one to say, what have we accomplished yet? Nothing. So why are we coming out like this, right? Like this is not something that they're glossing over. This is something that's clearly something that they need to work on. I just think we do have to put this in perspective that this happened last night, so it's on all of our minds, but this is not something new that's been happening in the NBA. I mean, I feel like at some point, every season with any team I cover, this type of thing does come up with taking teams too lightly. Serena, you've had an up-close and personal look at how Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland have started to mesh on the court together. I know early in the season there was some Times where Garland deferred to Mitchell, Mitchell deferred to Garland. They seem to be playing more as a cohesive backcourt now. How much fun has it been from your perspective to see that relationship kind of grow on the court over the last couple of weeks? I mean, for me being around all the time, it's fun to see it grow on and off the court. Like there's stuff that I get to see with them at practice or when the cameras aren't on that 
it's not some fake relationship, right? Like we're interviewing Donovan at practice or at shoot around yesterday morning. And Darius is in the back of the interview the whole time, you know, he's coming to sit down and trying to mess with them. Like, I know that, you know, you had the loss last night and you might want to gloss over those types of things, but that stuff matters. Like I have been around so many different NBA teams now throughout my career and what Donovan and Darius have right now, this is not some fake forging. Like they are doing these types of things when the cameras aren't on, you know? And I think that that translates and will translate eventually to the court. They're still figuring each other out, right? Like they're still figuring out how all of this works. We're, you know, a little over a quarter of the way through the season. But what we are seeing is that when the season started out, these guys were overpassing. Um, it's a good thing because you come to a new team and you don't want to stir the pot, right? Like Donovan doesn't want to come in here and think like he's taking everything over and stirring the pot. But what that was leading to on offense was passing up like wide open shots. Um, and so we're finally starting to see them react to the defenses a bit more versus just overpassing. We didn't see it right against San Antonio. So let's throw that game out. But I mean, it's been a lot of fun to see these two guys. They're four years apart. Um, and they're they're just they're both so goofy they're always making fun of each other they're just they're fun to be around speaking of goofy this is a little off topic but i'm a huge fan and uh just in i'm intrigued by robin lopez and just his entire existence two-part question first of (laughs) all when he is he insists on sitting on the ground rather than on the bench when he's waiting Mm -hmm. to go into the game I want to know, I noticed that when he gets up to go into the game, somebody has to sit down and take his place. First part of my question, who is the person who is assigned to hold his place on the ground when he goes into the game? Second part question is, why does why do he and his brother like Disney so much in Disney World, and do you think that's healthy? <laughs> okay, well, I can say that um, they're Cali guys, right? So... Being from California and having Disneyland there, I think that that is um, that is what has spurred all of this. Is it healthy? I mean, who am I to say what is healthy for an True. individual? <laughs> right, subjective. <laughs> Safe answer, me? good answer. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, not healthy with my lifestyle. But right. Maybe it's healthy for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also tell you that I was chatting with Robin actually yesterday morning, um, and this guy is God. He's he's so interesting. But he's always, as soon as shoot-around finishes up or practice finishes up, he sits down and grabs his book. And I'm amazed at how many new books I've seen in the past two weeks. So yesterday, I'm like, Robin, how many pages are you are you reading a day? And he's like, eh. I try to get in like at least 100, 150 pages a day. I'm like, what? You are reading 100 and 150 pages a day throughout the NBA schedule? I mean, that's incredible. Um, yeah. So he he's, he's a lot of fun to be around. He's... He's such an interesting guy. I feel like there's so many layers to him. I wish I had the answer to your first first question, but That's I think right. I might have to make that a sideline report. You know, do I a think little I've bit, got a really Yeah, please deep. do a little bit of recon on that for me. And also find out, I'd like to know the, some of the titles he's reading because that's important. If it's like young vampire lit, I'm not as impressed as if it's like some British classics. You understand? Yeah, I do understand. It was I was impressed yesterday by the title. Uh, I wish I had it for you, but it was. Let me tell you this: it was not young vampire lit, and these okay. things are like a lot of thick. Like it's going to take some time. Nice. Takes time to read through. He, that so. guy, that he just he has so many layers. 
Smart well, guy. He does. Yeah. Interesting guy. Has yeah. Lopez and Moondog got along? I know Lopez has a uh, interesting history with mascots. Yeah. How are him and Moondog doing, Serena? He does. I think that they're doing okay, guys. I do. And I think that there was, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, deep-seated drama for those two to really get past. And I think I think I'm starting to see some growth in their relationship, you know? Not quite the Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell growth, but they're getting there. They're getting there. That's a good crew that you're working with there, and we think that you guys, that all of you are doing a great job. I love watching all of the games on that sickie that's there every single night with you guys. Just so you know. Appreciate and you're nailing that. it. How have you found your adjustment to Cleveland just out of curiosity so far? Oh, uh, man, I love it. I yeah. love it in Cleveland. I love it in Cleveland. I'm an East Sider now. I don't know if we've got any East Siders on the set. Um, yep. Whoop, whoop. Yep. There you go. Okay. Whoop, whoop there it is. Where are you in the East Side? Uh, Cleveland you Heights. Very nice. Cleveland Heights. Very You're nice. not going to like yeah. me on the East Side when it starts to snow. Oh, no. Oh, it's that's okay. what everybody tells me. <laughs> everybody tells me. It's okay. Um, you, can, no, you can survive. I love it. You'll, you'll make it through. I love it. Hey, Serena, what is this team missing? We've talked on the set for um, the last couple of weeks about now that we've had a chance to see them through about a third of the season. It, it seems like the three is still a question mark moving forward. One of the names that Brad Sellers continues to bring up is Carmelo Anthony. He thinks that bringing a guy like Carmelo in can help this team moving forward. As you've seen it, what element is missing? And do you see them making a move, bringing someone else in? to try to fill that void. Well, I think what's what's interesting, I don't know if you guys have talked about Dean Wade at all, but sometimes I think people forget that he's also out. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And when we started the season, Dean was incredible. He was, he was on fire. Um, he was such a great spacer for this group. And I think I bring that up because what we saw that worked to start the season um around donovan and darius and jared and evan was somebody that could space the floor in that role versus you know clog clog up the spacing and that's one of the reasons why we've seen karis avert come off the bench right because of his skill set um and jb and karis both trying to figure out how they best maximize his skill set and get the best out of him and that has been in that bench unit with either Darius or Donovan versus having to play alongside those two all the time when Karis is a guy who isn't the catch and shoot type, right? Like he, he, he's so herky jerky. He's like the ball in his hands. He's always finding the cracks, mm-hmm. the crevices. And that's a, a great game. But for this group and that starting unit, what we saw with Dean is how much the space can help out everybody else. Um, so, I mean, look, I don't know what the Cavs are doing behind the scenes. Um, They're always going to do their due diligence if there's somebody that fits. But I think I bring that up because what we saw with Dean, and and unfortunately he's been out now and is going to continue to be out, um, is that somebody who's a spacer, who can shoot, um, who can, can clearly help this group. With Darius and Donovan on the court, they're going to be the two focal points of any offensive attack that Cavs put out there. But Evan Mobley has had times where we've seen him be more aggressive offensively than we've seen times where he's kind of faded into the background of whatever the Cavs are doing. Serena, from your perspective, does Evan have to be a little more aggressive on that end of the court if the Cavs are going to reach their full potential this season? In terms of this season, I mean, that's how you couched it. Um, I think I forget often that this is his second year. Evan is 21 years old. Yeah, he is incredible, incredible. And to watch some of his growth this year, first of all, he is talking so much more 
uh, than I heard last season, that's going to be a huge step in his growth. Then we've seen games where J.A. hasn't played, right? And he's coming into his own, although when J.A. doesn't play, then he's a five out there, so he's switching positions. I think that the balance of, yes, Evan being aggressive um, and, and figuring all that out with Darius and Donovan, yes, of course, like, yes, the Cavs have to have Evan being aggressive for this team to reach their full potential. I think he is already being aggressive. Um, I think it's just a matter of it's his second year. He's 21 years old and it takes time, not just to figure those things out and to come into your own, but also to gain strength, to gain muscle, to know guys tendencies, to feel comfortable in this group. So to answer your questions, yes, uh, Evan Mobley is absolutely a key to the Cavs reaching their full-term potential. Absolutely, they need him aggressive. But the Cavs, and JB has talked about this, also have to figure out how to best unlock him as they're also figuring out how do you best bring Donovan and Darius in. Um, so I think it's just a matter of it taking a little bit of time and also realizing that Evans played a season and a quarter. And if you are, are really watching him this season and the growth he's already had since last year, he's already more aggressive than he was last year. He's not going to be the best version of Evan Mobley in year two. Like we don't see guys best versions of themselves when they're 21. Like we're seeing best versions of themselves when they're hitting year four and they've got these years under their belt and now they're not second guessing themselves. Right. And now they're being incredibly uh, decisive with their decision making versus wondering whether or not coach might be upset or a player might be upset because now they're so confident they're in their own, they're in their own element and they're not second guessing anything. And that is not something that comes overnight. Um, And if you talk to anybody on this team about Evan, who was around last year, they will tell you, man, he's more confident than he was last season. And that's what you want. As he goes to get more confident, the game becomes slower for him. It becomes more fun for him. He becomes more aggressive. So yes, they need him at as as aggressive as he can be, but it's just going to take a little bit. It's a great point. We do forget how young he is and he's a baby. And we have noticed too. We've seen his maturity, not just, you know, we're not around him. We don't see, you know, how much he's come out of his shell just from a personality standpoint, but his game is different. It needs to come along. It needs to be, you know, a little bit more aggressive offensively. And it is kind of trying to figure out that Rubik's Cube, how you get all of these stars involved to the right degree. And I'm sure JB is the guy to figure it out. Serena, thank you very much. Great having you on again. We look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Thanks Serena. Serena. Go okay, Cavs. Very well done. And we passed the baton on our Ladies' Day Tuesday from Serena Winners and the Cavs to Mary Kay Cabot. And the Browns, Mary Kay. Hey, hey I love the Christmas tree back there. It looks That's like it's huge. growing right out of your living room. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's only half decorated, but, you know, it's a start. So It's coming along. There we have it. Yeah. Yep. That, thing's, that thing's monumental. It's really it that's a real ceiling it, kisser. Yeah, I had to cut uh, <laughs> the top two feet of, off of it. I uh, overshot it by two feet. But, wow. you know, I was a little overzealous, and uh, I got a little excited. Would you go into, right. Did you go to the Metro Parks to get that? Uh, practically, yeah. I could have gotten this right on my way to work one day up to Brown's practice over yeah. there by Mastiff. But no, I actually uh, did go uh, to a garden center and haul this thing back home. 
Nice. Very nice. nice. Very hey, nice. Hey, Mary Kay, <clears throat> what's the atmosphere like right now? In like, uh, essentially, they've been. Uh, we all know. We all know they have like a point. They're out of it. They're chance, done. Whatever. But realistically, they're out of it. So what? It, it could still when happen. The, when the game is over, you know, after the game. And, you know, as you go to the practice, what, what do you expect? What, what was the atmosphere like in the locker room after the game? And what are you expecting it to be like this week? Well, I think Miles Garrett summed it up pretty well after the game when he said, you know, we're going to continue to try to kick the door down until someone tells us that we can't kick the door down anymore. And if we don't have any shot ourselves, uh, then we'll try to spoil it for someone else. We have pride. We're going to leave it all out there. We're going to play for our fans this Saturday. And I think that's exactly what you're going to see. I think you'll see Deshaun Watson take another step up like he did last week. I think you'll see Miles Garrett go out there and do everything he possibly can uh, to, to try to strap the team on his back and, and win this football game. I think you'll see a really great effort at First Energy Stadium on Saturday, even though for all intents and purposes, they have no playoffs at stake. So there's four games left. Uh, what's their, I know the players obviously want to go out there and they want to win and they want to say all that stuff, but uh, the, from a fan's perspective, there, there's no, you know, there's no draft choice at, at stake here for, you know, at least in the first round. Realistically, as you look at the schedule, because you've got the two conference games and you've got two other games that are winnable. Um, do, do you think that anybody is being evaluated in these final four jobs as to whether or not they'll be back next season? And if so, who are those individuals? Well, certainly, yes. There will be guys that, that will be looked at over these next four games to determine if they are going to be back or not. And I think you can look uh, at, you know, a couple of people like, you know, Kareem Hunt. He's asked to be traded. Will he be back? Greedy Williams, he was a healthy scratch last week. Uh, he's someone that I think you have to look at and wonder if he's going to be back. Jadavian Clowney, I know he wants to play with uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, but his contract is also up. And, you know, he always kind of marches to his own drummer and makes his decision in his own time. But knowing that Deshaun Watson is here, I think he'll probably want to be back. And he had a really, really good game in Cincinnati. He was all over the place. Jadavian is a very, very good football player. And I think he still has plenty left in the tank. Uh, I think there are some guys on the offensive line they'll have to take a look at. Uh, you know, Jack Conklin is in the last year of his contract. I think they need to evaluate that position and make sure they feel really good about that. Uh, they have to see uh, what's going to happen at center for them. So that's an area to look at. And then, you know, a player like an Anthony Schwartz, I, I think he'll come back and get another chance next year. But, you know, will he maybe be able to play in the final game and they can take another look at him? Jacoby Brissett, you guys are showing him right now. He's somebody that a decision will have to be made on. What about although, coaches, Mary Kay? Well, coaches, they're going to take a good hard look I think at, on the defensive side of the ball and on special teams, I think Kevin Stefanski is safe, but on the other sides of the ball, uh, you know, I do think that they will look long and hard at those things and try to determine did the defense underachieve because of anything that went on schematically or didn't happen schematically? Uh, you know, were these coaching issues, were these personnel issues? So they will have those uh, very difficult discussions in the off season on those sides of the ball. Mary Kay, you say Stefanski safe. You know, I would think so. I guess my thought is, though, with Jimmy Haslam, I guess you never know. But, I, I, I mean, I think he's had his worst year as a head coach, in my opinion, this year. I wouldn't fire him personally, but I figure he's going to be on the hot seat. But as you say with, this, with the other coaches, 
I mean, I think Joe Woods and Mike Prefer both have to go. I, I think they've overall, for the three jobs, three seasons, done a bad job. I would replace them both. If you had to bet right now, uh, I obviously think Stefanski's going to be back. Ultimately, do you think Woods and Prefer will be gone? Well, that's why I mentioned I think that they they will have the hard discussions that they need to have about those situations. And you you know you can't go into those discussions saying oh they're definitely going to be gone. Uh, but but I think that that it's pretty safe to say that those uh, you know those two coaches uh, will you know get a long look at the offseason gotcha. and they'll decide gotcha. uh, you know again was it the fact that they did not add enough talent at the defensive tackle position and that they had many injuries at the middle linebacker position uh, or was it something else was it that uh, you know that Greg Newsom was playing out of position or was it that you know John Johnson three isn't doing some of the things that he did when he was uh, with the Rams so they'll take a long hard look at it if they determine that it was more than you know just some guys not playing up to their potential because I think there was plenty of that I mean we thought we all heard and thought all along the way that you know we were going to see these great seasons from Jordan Elliott and JOK and Grant Delpit and all these guys and for whatever reason, those things didn't really materialize the way anybody thought they would. Uh, so it all has to be put into the hopper, and they have to decide what they're going to do with those sides of the ball. Mary Kay, you mentioned Deshaun Watson's progression from week or game one to game two. You expect an even bigger progression now heading into game three. We only see him on Sundays. You see him multiple times throughout the week at practice. Was it noticeable to you heading into Sunday's game against Cincinnati that he was getting more comfortable with these guys in practice and is that something we can expect to continue as he continues to practice with these guys and get more reps and get that timing down? Like, was it noticeable well, the, the progression? Um, yeah, I mean, I can't honestly say that, you know, when I watched practice and the, you know, first 15 minutes that we're allowed to watch, that he looked significantly better than he did during training camp or any of the offseason practices uh, that we saw. Um, but, you know, what I did see was that he was, you know, running from drill to drill. He was trying to, you know, get the uh, the speed and the tempo of the game. He did not have Amari Cooper in practice most of the week. He didn't have David Bell in practice most of the week. So when we were out there, uh, he was throwing mostly to Michael Woods. Anthony Schwartz had a concussion. So he was throwing to Michael Woods and Donovan Peoples-Jones for the most part, and then some practice squad guys. So, no, I can't honestly say that I – could tell in practice last week that he was going to get better. But just by virtue of getting that whole first game under his belt and out of the way and all the emotions and all the things that went on in Houston, I think he just had to know uh, that, that he was going to be significantly better. Now, having said that, it still is hard to go out there uh, without having any practice with Amari Cooper throughout the week and have it look significantly better. Or uh, when you are under pressure, I mean, his rating under pressure was something like 27 uh, compared to like 96 when kept clean. When you're going to be under that much pressure, it's still not going to look that great at times. Uh, but I think you'll see him, uh, you know, even take another leap up this week. Let's talk about the response to Deshaun. You were in Sin City. Uh, we heard the response as soon as he came out there. A lot of boo birds. It wasn't obviously that big of a deal in Houston because the only people there were lunatics, and there were like 75 people there, obviously. But in Cincy, you had a uh, rivalry game, actual fans, 
they hate us because we're Cleveland and they're still mad because we won the Civil War and whatnot up here because they're a Confederate state essentially down there. So all the reasons in the world to hate us, they booed the heck out of them, seemed to calm down after the first quarter. Uh, was that the case? And how do you think that affected him? And what do you think it'll be like moving forward? Well, I think he knows that he has to block out all of this stuff. There are going to be chants. There are going to be signs. Uh, you know, team. You know, fans are going to do whatever they possibly can to get inside his head. I think he handled it better this game. Uh, it will get to him at times because, as he mentioned last week when I asked him if Houston hit him harder than he thought it would, he said, I am human, and he is human. So when he hears the kinds of things that he hears at these games, it is going to rattle him somewhat. But I think as he you know, goes through each week, uh, it will get perhaps a little bit easier for him. I'm not 100% sure about that. But he does have the support of his teammates. Uh, they come to his defense. They come, you know, they have his back. Jacoby Brissett has been very helpful in that regard. So have others. So you know, they all know that they have to kind of close ranks and get through this. Mary Kay, yesterday as we were sort of taking inventory of the loss and ultimately the season that slipped away, Jim Donovan was on with me on the five o'clock hour. And I, I, I know that you talked to Jimmy. We all respect Jimmy's opinion. His view from 30,000 feet of the Browns is as accurate as anyone that, that I know. And I thought I, I was a little bit surprised because Jimmy can be a little reserved sometimes, but he always speaks his mind. I, I thought Jimmy was emphatic on one point that he made during our discussion. And that was that the Browns, in their building of this team as they're collecting players and building this roster, he made it a strong point to say very plainly, they have to draft smarter players. Making it a point to say the mistakes that have happened for a a big part of them, defensively especially, have been mental. And, And he really, really brought into question sort of the football IQ of this team. Is that as big an issue as as Jimmy sort of made it out to be? Because it seems to be that he's right. And if so, is the organization aware of aware of that? And how will they pivot? Well, I'll tell you what I think about that. I think that some of it is the fact that the players are young. And some of that wisdom, that football wisdom comes as you are around the game a little bit more. And you see more and you hear more and you're coached more. So I don't think it's necessarily a football IQ issue at all because they make a point of drafting very, very smart players. I think in some cases it's that they're young and they're inexperienced. Now, as Sione Takitaki went along in his career, he suddenly became a really smart player this year because the game slowed down for him. He understood exactly where he fit in the the scheme of things. He knew where he was supposed to be. He knew where everybody else was supposed to be. And, you know, he was able to be a field general because of it. Uh, Then you take a, a young player like a Tony Fields who has not played much on defense and you're occasionally going to get a mistake or you're going to go too hard uh, at the punter. So I don't think it's a matter of football IQ because they make a a big, huge point of drafting super smart players. So I I really don't think it's that as much as as it is youth and inexperience in some cases. Mary Kay, you mentioned Jack Conklin before. Um, James Hudson was a fairly high draft pick. He's played well when he's had an opportunity. I, I assume, I know you talked about they're going to make a decision on Conklin. I mean, the money he's making and the way he's playing, I got to assume he's cut at the end of this year. 
Is there a chance they're going to play Hudson over him the rest of the way? Don't we need to see him play regularly? What's the to me? I, I don't see any point of continuing to play Conklin over him. What what do you, what do you think about that? If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, in some cases, I think you will find that if there is a veteran that has a, you know, an injury or, or some reason that it might be better for them to rest, uh, now is going to be the time to play some of those younger guys and to see what they can do. So I do think it probably would be prudent for them uh, to play some James Hudson and see if he can handle the job full time uh, for next year. I think there are some other guys in that category. There are some receivers that you kind of want to give them some more time and see what they can do. Uh, you know, it might get to the point where even though Miles Garrett said there's absolutely no way he's going to shut it down until they drag him off the field, uh, I think it might be pretty wise to roll him out of there a little bit and roll in more a little bit more of an Isaiah Tomics or an Alex Wright and let those guys see what they can do. So I do think to a certain extent, this is an opportunity uh, to see what you have in some of the younger guys. Mary Kay, I couldn't agree more. To me, this feels like September in a baseball season where you're 30 games out of first place. You shut down a lot of your position guys. You call up guys from the minor leagues. It's time to see what you have. I want to know what Jerome Ford can do if, you know, if, because if Kareem Hunt does move on, it's likely that he will, you know, is it Jerome Ford? Is it the Ernest Johnson? And, and that's what it's, it's sad to say, but that's where this franchise yep. is right now. And we're in the last quarter of the season. I, I hope they do shut Miles Garrett down. What are we going to learn about Miles Garrett in the next four games that we don't already know? Why put those miles on his body? when the end game is obviously to make the playoffs and that and that ship has sailed seems silly yeah right and especially if there are some guys that are going to need a surgery after the season and we don't know yet about this i mean if he if he needs a little bit of a cleanup you might want to get a jump on that um i'm actually wondering about you know maybe an amari cooper and what's going on with him you know talking about having a core muscle issue uh, sometimes that might you know be something that they want to take a longer look at and it's a chance for some of the younger guys to maybe play maybe some of the practice squad guys call them up a little bit and see what they can do but certainly um, this should be an opportunity uh, for some of those guys because you want to see what Deshaun Watson is going to have for next season you need to know I mean do we you know what do we need to do at right tackle what do we need to do at center receiver uh, as you mentioned, running back, see what Jerome Ford can do, throw him the ball out of the backfield a few times and, mm-hmm. you know, see how he can handle it, get him ready uh, for 2023 because they've got to hit the ground running next year. They're not going to have time for any ramping up period. Mary Kay, I wanted to wrap it up with this. Um, we're going to actually talk about more on the show after this. We, we, we've dove into everything involving the Bengals and Browns this past Sunday, the fourth down play, which I thought was crazy, whatever. But there's one play we we accidentally didn't get to, which we're going to get to next, and that's the, the Samaje P. Ryan touchdown, the second Bengal touchdown. He goes into the middle of the line. He kind of gets stopped, basically, and Clowney just kind of runs by him, and then P. Ryan peels out and goes in for a touchdown. It seemed like Clowney and some of the other guys quit on that play. What do you, 
Did, did anybody get an explanation on that and what happened on that play? No, we did not uh, per se get an explanation on that play, but you're right. I mean, they, that was a play where uh, sh he shouldn't have been able to make that second effort right. and get in there that easily. But these are some of the issues that the Browns have had on, on defense all season long, you know, with their run defense. And like I said before, I think Jadavian had a really, really great hustle game. I thought he uh, was excellent in that game. In fact, he graded out over 90, according to Pro Football Focus, which I haven't looked at, but it's, it's got to be one of the highest on, on the team and one of the highest in the league defensively for last week's games. So he, on that particular play, perhaps I think he – Thought he had him down, thought he had him stopped. I don't, he's not really one to give up on a play. Uh, I, I suppose he, you know, I'd have to go back and look at it again. Yeah. Uh, I did not really study that play per se, but uh, that's just, you know, one of the issues that they have had uh, with their run defense this season is that not everyone is always swarming to the ball and making sure that, that they're getting that guy down. Thanks, Mary Kay. Yeah, Mary Kay, thank you very much. We appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hall of Fame writer Mary Kay Cabot. Stay thank strong, you. Mary Kay. Keep fighting the good fight. Yeah. You know, sometimes uh, when I'm... When Thanks, I'm If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.